1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Friends, welcome to another episode of Rev Covery, a podcast. For those who are maybe leaving ministry, for maybe those who are leaving being, whether you're leaving as a volunteer, you're leaving as a professional Christian, uh, however it is that you are transitioning in your ministry, Rev Covery is hopefully uh, a little bit about a conversation around how, what it looks like to be human, what it looks like to step into something new, try things in a little different way. I'm Sarah Heath, and this is... Uh, Justin Gentry. Both of us used to be professional Christians. Yes, we were professional Christians. Had degrees as well. We we still have the degrees. And we they still have the taken. degrees, yes. They, they can't take those away. Um, and they haven't taken my ordination either, so I'm still... So that's the fun part of this podcast is that we come from it, and if you haven't listened to previous episodes, what are you doing with your time, really? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Just... just get to the get catch up and then come back yeah. here. Yeah. Um, uh, also, I feel like I should apologize early for me having just a terrible cold and sounding horrible. I'm sorry, sorry that you're sick, but yeah. it will definitely, I think, add to the gravitas and the like the radio voice of this yes. podcast. Very Demi Moore of me. Yes, the very Hello. resonant, deep voice mm. that brings all the Thea bros to the yard, I guess. Brings all the Theo bros to the... My commentary brings all the Theo bros to the yard and yeah. they're like, I'm smarter <laughs> than you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what that was, guys. Cough medicine? I haven't that had was, any. That was perfect. I loved it. <laughs> so Justin and I, we started this kind of conversation in hopes of just like helping other people, knowing that we've crossed this bridge before, again, from different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Justin left in some ways of your own volition, but also a little bit helped out. I am still currently ordained and work technically within a church structure. However, I'm not a local church pastor, and my work is predominantly helping churches transform their spaces, both literally and figuratively. I went to church today, Justin. You did? Well, tell me. Tell me about this yeah. This new experience for you. Yeah, just as we jump into calling, this co so this conversation is going to be all about calling, guys, and what the hell is a calling? So I went to the church that I used to be the lead pastor of. Oh, wow. And it's only been six months, about six months since I was the lead pastor there. But one of my friends, Josie, who is one of our Reverend Media Group humans, she was preaching. And so I was like, I got to support, got to support my girl. And texted the lead pastor there now and was like, hey, would you mind if I came? Absolutely not. Thanks for asking. So I came <laughs> and it was fantastic. I have to say it's a unique, it's the most unique space I've ever worked in. The people that are there are very special. I thought I would have all the trauma responses you can imagine, but I didn't. I just felt like here's this really cool thing that I got to be a part of for a while. It is no longer the thing that I am running or doing, but it's such a great space. And I don't think that's the usual experience for folks. And by that, I mean, I think 
a lot of people leave with a sense that – so like I had my – I would say I had my calling affirmed in that mm-hmm. moment of like, oh, yeah, I created this thing. This thing is actually helping versus harming. I mean, we have trans folks who are in the in the band. We have, you know, all kinds of different uh, sexual preferences. We have all kinds of different gender expressions. We have all kinds of different racial experiences. Racial experiences, that's not the word I want. This is how you can tell I'm taking cough medicine. It, it is also, an experience. Right. I'm drinking a hot fair. toddy, so maybe it's hitting me harder than I thought. But yeah. point being, it's a cool space, and yet still – I know that for me, my calling is no longer to be at the helm. Mm -hmm. So I think what we really want to talk about, I think, is what does it look like to believe, what does it look like to talk about calling, both when you can look at it and say, oh, that was the right thing, and you can look at it and say, that wasn't the right thing for me. Yeah, and I think calling is an interesting thing, and it really depends on how you were trained and how you were brought up what calling means to you because I I think especially as you're leaving this is just my experience wrestling with that question of am I called was I called it's an extra layer to that was I ever a Christian question you know when you begin to doubt and when you begin to think about maybe leaving the faith or even like am I even a Christian you know should I get saved again you know that those kind of normal, I think, evangelical experiences, at least, you know, the circles I'm from were primarily evangelical. I think, am I called? Should I even be here? If I left, was I even called? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's that's kind of an extra layer to that, that can of worms. Uh, that So I, I, I'm glad we're talking about this. I did want to ask you, though, Sarah, because we keep saying this word calling, what, right. Let's, what, what is what, that? Yeah. What does that mean to you? What what is what does it mean to be called? Or does it mean anything? Jeez, it's so funny. I think it's one of these words that's moved. Calling used to feel like uh so calling usually when you hear someone say, I was called to, so it's called to be a pastor. It means God made it clear through however it might be that I am to set myself apart and do ministry in whatever way, shape, or form that looks like. Called to do this, called to do that. So there's some sort of experience of calling or calling apart biblically. You know, you hear about it, a voice that is not my experience. I think calling is such a tricky thing because it moves. And what I mean by that is what I once thought was a calling, it doesn't mean that I'm, it wasn't. And I think we often, so I've talked about it before, but this idea of like purpose-driven, right? A purpose-driven life, you've got one purpose. got to find it. Don't find it. You got one calling. You don't figure out what that calling is. You are screwed and you're going to screw all the people around you. And I think when we hold on to this idea of calling in such a big way, when our faith shifts or any of those things shift, then our, even our like, well, what was that then? Was I called or was it just an emotional Mm -hmm. moment where I felt whatever it might be. So I think calling for me has shifted a little bit. I think this idea of, for me, it's just sort of like hearing a divine invitation is the language I would use now and then saying yes to it. But calling can feel and is often expressed as an absolute obligation. If God calls you into it, like I ran from the call. Have you ever, have you heard those? Mm -hmm. Was that in your tradition where people would talk about, but then nothing I ever did worked. So clearly 
God was shutting all the doors and there was only one door to go through. And people bring up stories like Jonah or something, you know, I was mm-hmm. running away. I don't was get, running from the call. Didn't get swallowed by a whale or anything, but you know, all, my life was misfortune until I, you know, became called and, and I've seen it used even extremely. There was a married couple that was in our kind of denomination. I did not know them. It was kind of like a friend of a friend kind of situation, but they were very open about the fact that they did not marry God's person for them. Like they're married, but they were like, you know, we, we didn't marry the one, you know, we're married now we're kind of stuck. So make sure you marry the one or you'll end up. Yeah. Or you'll end up like us basically. Yeah. And I, and I, and I was like, who, do you know who the one was? Like, she, like, does oh, it, like, you know, yeah, that's like, true. That's, that's so messed up. Yeah. And, and calling in my tradition was seen very much as like, it's like a wedding. Like I was sitting in ministry classes and, you know, it was like, you, you are called local church ministry is a call of a lifetime. And if you leave, like you're, you're divorcing God, basically. Like Damn. it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's seen as like this very heavy thing. And I remember my senior level class, you know, he had all of us stand up and then had half the room sit down. Like, he's like, this is how many of you will be in ministry in 10 years. And they had half Stop that room. It. Yeah. Sit down. This is how many of you will be after 25 years. Like by the time it's like basically two out of a 50 person class, like this is how many of you will retire from ministry. And, and the tone was like, this is how many of you will succeed is, is essentially the, like the tone of it. Like, this is how many of you will fulfill your calling as in okay, retiring yeah. So from success ministry. looks like fulfilling a calling. Fulfilling a calling looks like staying in a job until you retire. Until you retire. Yes. And so like this, that was put in my head pretty early. And I mean, it messed me up. Probably the most liberating thing I experienced in seminary, because I went to a seminary that was outside of that denomination. And my first class, it was a class I took by accident. So this was kind of one of those happy accidents. First day, first class in seminary, the professor gets up and he says, you know, some of you will leave, graduate and never be in ministry. And some of you will be in it the rest of your life. And some of you will go in and out. And that's perfectly fine. It was just like, wow, like you can do, you're allowed to do that. And even then those like early messages still messed with me. Even after I had positive ones, it's, you know, it still would like play with my brain. Like, well, because it was tied to success. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, and not success. and not success in the way that many vocations. So success is tied to remaining in something, mm-hmm. and you're tying it to your spirituality. Enduring. You're enduring. That's a great yeah. word. Yeah. So enduring the call looks like right. We celebrate it like every year at our annual conference. Like this person's been in ministry for this many years, which is great, right? I mm-hmm. think it's great. Yeah. yeah. But I also think there's this like. If we truly believe that we are asked to be a a force for good in this world, why does that have to look the same for the whole time of your life? And how problematic is it for us to say that success only looks like this? Mm -hmm. And I think so many people are afraid of, if I say no to this thing now, then it never was true. The call never was true or my intentions never were pure or true because like you said it's been tied to success it's tied to success and and it's tied up with god and your spirituality and 
and so it feels very impossible in the sense that, okay, if I leave, then your options are I'm leaving because I'm literally betraying God. Like mm-hmm. that's not a great option. Right. Or I'm leaving because God didn't actually call me. That's not a great option. Or I'm leaving because I don't believe God is real anymore and I wasted my life. We talked about that uh, previous podcast, but right. that's, that's not a swell option either. So it seems like no. your options for, le- or or I'm leaving because I, I blew out morally, financially, physically, and I literally- Or I got kicked out. Or I got kicked out and I literally can't do it anymore. Like, so your options for leaving ministry are not good. No. It's like- all, all four of those require some level of therapy <laughs> and, yeah. and a lot of heartache. And I think leave people to thinking like, well, then enduring it, even if I should be leaving, is preferable to having to face those things. And right. that's not a great place to be. Well, and the call, you know, if we talk about our call stories, I like, I legitimately felt like ministry was going to be a place where I could use my unique passions for so many things. Mm-hmm. And I think that is cool and great and wonderful. And it was literally a 16-year-old boy on a on a youth retreat when I was a youth volunteer who said, Sarah, you know, you have all these different passions. And uh, because of that, because you're able to talk to the kids who play sports and you're able to talk to the musicians and you're able to talk to the girls who struggle with eating disorders, like you're you're the person we want to talk to about the divine. It was the first time I felt like, hey, all of these things in my life line up and could be useful. Because I think in within American culture in particular, Western culture really, there is this sense that you can't be multifaceted. Pick your lane, pick your lane well, run it hard. So it was the first time because all, all I'd experienced in college was what is your major? And I kept changing my major. I kept, because I'm so interested in so many things. And the church felt like a place where I could use all of that passion for good. And it felt, it felt big. It felt big that every time I told people that that felt like a call, people's response was, yeah, and and affirmed it in me. And so I think it got me here, that call. But I think we have to be really careful about the language that we, the obligation language, the Jonah-ism of it, you know, like... Mm-hmm. because I think there are so many people who are clinging on because of a, a thing that they felt was once true. The number of people who talk to me in secret about, I want to leave too, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to do it. And I think part of it too is like, I think we feel like if we're gifted or talented in certain areas, like we have to use it in a certain way for that church. I'm actually thinking about a dear friend of mine who works in the music industry and works with a very famous artist currently. And this very famous artist has chosen to do the Christian route. But this artist is as talented as Adele, as attractive as American Pie, as, you know, Mm -hmm. she could chart anything. But I think because of the background she grew up in, she can't admit that what she wants to be is a rock star. Instead, What she wants to be is a rock star who glorifies God. Now, I want to suggest perhaps that all of our passions within us are a calling. Like it doesn't have to be a rejection of our passions. Like what if she had become the most famous musician or whatever it might be. She became Adele, whatever it might be, and could use that then. If that's really what she wants to glorify, how, what does that look like? 
And does it have to look like charting the CCMs when you're a crossover artist, but really maybe, maybe she just wants to write really good songs that don't have anything to do with churchy people. Yeah. There's such a narrowing of our experience. Like it has to be for, for God, quote unquote. For the kingdom. And that only means a few small things. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that if you believe in God or whether you don't, I think that life and the human experience is so much bigger than these few things that you get to do. And, and I think since leaving ministry, I, I mean, obviously it's, you know, I have to figure out work-life balance. I have to figure out all these other things, but it's also like, I have hobbies now. Yeah, guys, we're going to talk about all the practical stuff. If you're wondering what this podcast, we are building a structure. So we started out talking about kind of, did I waste my life? Now we're talking about calling. Mm -hmm. We're going to move to words like, what does life look like post? What does it look like post? And, and I have hobbies now. And I enjoy spending time with my, I spend more time with my children now, even though I have a corporate job that requires a lot of me time-wise, you know, there are, there are priorities and things that are, I think, bigger and more important than your job or your vocation or your calling, quote unquote, whatever it is. You know, I think, I think the purpose of life is to collect experiences and to promote good in the world. And I think we think way I think the church trains us to think too small about what that looks like. Yeah, that's great. Like calling is actually small. Like it's it's almost like it has to look this certain way. I, I think a calling now, how I would define a calling, is the passions and things that pump me up. It's those to me are the divine invitations. Those to me are the divine sparks. That's the moment when I'm in that flow, when I am saying yes, when something scares the hell out of me, but like, my gosh, what if? It's living in those, I I call it, like I said, the divine invitations. Those to me are callings. And they're, you know, that feels scary. It's not uh, predictable. It's not, you can't measure it in the same way. And you can't say I'm killing it because I retired in this thing. And sometimes they do relate to my vocation, but they don't always. And I think we've done a disservice to so many Christian kids in youth groups and whatnot because we say, like, your calling is going to be your vocation. And I don't know that that's necessarily true. I think I think that what we love to do can be just that. And that is enough. Like, it doesn't yeah. require, a, oh, God, I want to do whatever it is. Sing. Let's just say, I don't know. I've just, that's the first thing that popped in my head. Like, but I'm not called to do it. So I guess maybe I'll just do it on the side or I'll do it in church or whatever. And it's, I, I feel like we have, we have been trained to sell ourselves short and to not follow really to really to push down the things that we really love right. in order to do the things that are approved by the church and, and the lucky few that get to do both in their church setting, because they either have a lot of resources or a lot of time or just the job that they get. Uh, great. But I think the vast majority of pastors are stuck in doing a lot of things that just aren't, aren't what they wanted to do <laughs> because they feel very, they pulled in a lot of different directions. And, you know, my life out isn't just like all day, every day, me pursuing my passions. I just put the kids to bed and it's after nine o'clock and I'm recording this podcast. You know, this is, you know, <laughs> eating into my free time for sure. So it's not just, I sit, I don't just sit around and only do this kind of stuff because I have a day job and there's a lot of balance and things that go into that. But I do think that, you know, we can pursue the things that we love and, and that's, 
that is reason enough to pursue them. And we can do the things we do the things that promote good and that we find joy in. Um, and that's enough. Like it doesn't have to be that is divine approval, if you want to use that word enough, that you just love to do it and it brings good. And it brings good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not I think that's the thing too, is like people some of the critique is like, ah, oh, Sarah, you're just a humanist who just wants to follow after whatever you want to do. I'm like, but what if I believe like what I want to do, if it brings good into the world is like a, like I said, this invitation, this spark of creativity and hope. And I just, I hate to think about the number of kids. Cause I, I, I mean, I'll be honest for a while. I dated so many guys who had wanted to be rock stars, but ended up being worship leaders. And, <laughs> and, and let me tell you, when they hit their thirties, it's not cute. There's this like, this like, <laughs> I missed the thing that I was really actually passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I was coy yep. about it. I call it like, it, it's like a coy, weird, lying about your calling. Not lying about your calling because you think it's true. You think the best thing to do is sacrifice your desires for your community, but maybe your community would be greatly affected by you just running after them. So the example that I have right now is, of course, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds just won a uh, Canadian national award that is handed out for performers and people who just do good in the world, basically. And it's a big honor. It's like a huge honor. It's almost like being knighted in England. And they had Stephen Page from the Bare Naked, formerly of the Bare Naked Ladies, write a song about him. And they talk about all the stuff that Ryan has done. And Ryan has done a lot of stuff in the background, very secretively, very, he's actually part of our LA, uh, it's called Canadians Abroad in LA. It's like this LA club. He actually called in on Canada Day and gave us a greeting. And so did Dan Aykroyd. And what is true about Ryan is that he's bringing about all this good in the world because he has a, a large amount of money. Why does he have a large amount of money? Because he ran after the thing he was passionate about, you know? And I think we so often, I don't know, I think we aggrandize the idea of if you're in a church, then use the thing you're passionate for for the church. And then that is a calling. And then everything, no one else has a calling, right? But I think Ryan was called to be a actor. You can see it. He loves when he's doing it. And right now he's called to be a dad. He's stepped away from acting. What is he doing? He's working on racial reconciliation in Canada. That's like his, like, that's his jam, working on indigenous Canadians and Canadians. Like, he is funding all, and he did a lot of it behind the scenes, didn't want, you know, wanted no glory. And they ended up having a tribal leader come and thank Ryan for his work. And nobody knew he was doing it because he was pursuing his passion, but he's also bringing good in the world. So I think calling to me is where passion and bringing good into the world meet. And it doesn't necessarily mean inside a church. It doesn't mean it's not inside a church. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth. And this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Yeah, and I think that's that is a good thing too because I I was I was taught as a as someone training for ministry 
that you should begin, you should enjoy enjoying other people's nice things because you will never have nice things. What? Like, yeah, like basically like you, you won't have those things because you won't have money. You won't have the ability to buy, and you won't be, I mean, even going as far as you won't have the ability to provide nice things for your kids. So enjoy other people's nice things that you will get handed to you as like a donation. And you should just be fine with that. And that's, that's, I mean, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. And I don't want to turn this quite into finance yet, but I also like, at least in my tradition, we trained a generation of ministers to be to have a terrible relationship with money Ooh, a terrible relation and a terrible relationship with influence and power preach. And now, unfortunately we have ministers that now don't have a voice because, you know, they aren't able to provide for their families and they aren't able to confront, I think some wrongs in our society because we taught people to be small in all these different ways and these societal levers like what you or were talking large, about Reynolds, only in aggressively yeah. specific niche market yes yes yeah so what you were just talking about with ryan reynolds like you know like he's an actor there's influence there's money there's recognition but i think we were taught all the things the things were bad but they're not bad enough themselves because they allow you to do things in the world right and I think when you're like, oh, only the spiritual lever is how I do things in the world. That lever in the society that we live in, I I don't think this is going to come as a shock to anyone, but that lever isn't doesn't really attach to a lot anymore. And unless you're just wanting to guilt people to vote for particularly terrible politicians, like if I could say that, the, the the do it because it's the spiritual thing to do is not going to get you very far. It's not. And so I have had to become comfortable after leaving with the idea that, okay, ca- calling or my passions or my values, if I want them to happen in the world, I'm going to need to get better with money. I'm going to need, get, need to get better with time. I'm going to need to get better with using my voice in a way that's uncomfortable in a way that's going to draw attention to me that might not be great that isn't the safe sanctuary community that I've cultivated that is that loves all my greatest hits <laughs> and and so and it, this is like 100% guys just a foreshadowing of all the things we're going to address <laughs> like this idea of being good with money the idea of I, you know I joked earlier and called it being a, a human but we skip out on some of that when we run mm-hmm. full tilt into these things. And I think we've been paralyzed because we're pursuing a passion. I think part of the work that I'm excited about us engaging in and part of the work that I get to do even when I'm doing my coaching one-on-one with people is helping them know what they're passionate about. So many don't. So many people have trouble seeing the threads in their own lives and seeing where where the invitation lies. Because it doesn't necessarily have to, you don't have to be Ryan Reynolds and be called to, called be invited into being a a famous actor where you know maybe your deal is like you're gonna be this is all just in my head today because literally like I saw my friend who is this incredible just civil person like a member of everything in her city she lives in Alabama and she just you know she works for the mayor and she just does all this great stuff in her city and she posted today about a guy that passed away who was 30 who was really involved in theater in their town and 30 years old had cancer and he wrote this beautiful 
Like, don't be sad for me. Don't say I lost my battle. I lived a great life. My wife and I, like all this beautiful stuff. And I thought, man, if that wasn't someone living out of their call and and living out in a way that like helped other people be better humans, which I think is the whole deal. Like it's, and it could change. I think that's the other problem that I want to address is that it's okay for you to change course because I need to hear that, right? You needed to hear that. Nobody told us that this could be a, not a situational thing, but like a, a timed thing. Nobody said that. And I still feel very compelled. Like, as I said, like going to church today was so fascinating for me because I was like, I don't need this for my, my own spiritual being and presence, but there is something about this community that is very compelling for me. And I want to help other people create compelling communities, but I don't need them to be obligational. And so I think if we allow people to to adjust their sails and don't make calling so heavy, and, and what are we doing to teach kids and adults and to look inside themselves and be honest about what they like and don't like? To me, that's it. Like, that's the work mm. is to continually ask, ask yourself, like, am I am I aligning with my values Mm -hmm. and am I aligning with my highest self? If you want to use that language. Yeah. And, and how is that highest self changing over time? Mm -hmm. And, and so I think sometimes I think we live out of like maybe a a past calling. Like I was called as a teenager to be a pastor or whatever. So I got to just keep doing that. And there's, it's almost like you're frozen in time then. Like we freeze dried you and we've put you on a shelf and you are the pastor for the rest of your life. And if you're not, you're, you're, you're a failure. If you're not, you've not endured or you've not sacrificed or whatever. It's like, no, like, like anything that, anything that is alive will continue to grow and continue to adapt to its environment and continue to, to change based on new stimuli. And hopefully you're getting a lot of new information in your life. And you're growing and you're changing your preferences. And so like getting back in touch with that, asking yourself those questions like, okay, great. 18-year-old Sarah, 18-year-old Justin, like was called to ministry in a local church. You know, I will affirm that. Great. But Justin and Sarah or whoever your name is, like however old you are, um, is that true still? Like, is that who I am now? And I hope I'm doing something different 10 or 15 years from now too. And I think the themes will all be the same throughout my life, but what I'm the, the window dressing or what the actual thing looks like will hopefully be different. I hope it is because I think that's just the way the world works. We, we grow and we change and, and that's a good thing. And that should be celebrated. I think this is a super helpful conversation to have. I hope that as people like look into themselves, they start asking like, what do I, what do I want? What do I love? I think there's really helpful resources for people to like start asking those questions because calling, like I say, is an invitation and it's not an obligation. And I think we are continuing to force people into places and spaces they don't want to be and then they become harmful. So how can we be part of healing that divide? And especially as you know, American Christianity starts looking different and different, and we're all at least going to have to go bivocational. What does it look like to believe that you are, you know, bringing good into the world and it doesn't necessarily have to be in the church? You know, it's, uh, was it Martin, Thomas Martin? No, someone. 
we'll look it up, said, uh, you know, be the best at whatever your job is, whatever you feel compelled to do, be the best at that. And that then is your service to God, whatever that might be. And I think there is something to that, but we have to learn how to be a human in all places and spaces before we have to understand our own likes and our own passions and the things that we're, you know, our lanes, right? The things that we're really passionate about and can serve the world and the betterment of the world. And I think that's, that's our hope here in this space and place. So just in any closing thoughts as we kind of get towards the end of this hour, I know we're going to, um, I'm really excited about us adding poetry, by the way, I've already got like so many picked out. I think I, just to get practical for a moment, because I, I think it's, it's easy for us to say like, yeah, get in touch with who you are and get in touch with, you know, what you really want. I think maybe some may, I hope people are nodding their heads like, yeah, that's great. But then I, I don't want them to like turn the podcast off and they're like, what is that? But how do I yeah, do right, that? Yeah, right, right. Thanks for nothing, you idiots. Yeah. Like you really pumped me up and then I, then I don't know what to do now. So I think for me, a practice that I found to be very helpful, and I don't actually know what its technical name is. I think, they, I think it's morning pages. Yes. The idea is, is that you sit down and I honestly, I'll just say, I hate journaling. I hate it. I, I do not like it. I know people look at me and they think that's a man that journals. I don't. And I, I will, look and at I you and think there's a man who throws weights around. There's not a man who journals. <laughs> okay, good. Cause I, I do not like journaling. I much prefer to throw weights around. And if throwing weights around is your thing, you should probably do that. But I found I found that forcing myself to do morning pages and what that is, is basically you take a journal and I would prefer buying one of those smaller journals because this, this is a hack because you're supposed to just write like three pages straight. It doesn't matter what it is. And I would say half of mine were like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I do not enjoy doing this, but I found that making that creative space and making that space that is just blank for me to fill with whatever I'm feeling at the moment really turned into something good for me to be like, oh, oh, wow, this is it. I'm finding interesting things out about myself because I'm just letting myself fill this blank space. I think, and I'm not going to say that prayer is not a good thing, but I found that prayer when I would say like, God, tell me if I'm called to serve you, you're, you're not really setting good space to find out what you really think about it. And I think that if, if you are a person that believes in God, and I think that people that believe in God will believe that all truth is God's truth. And so it's okay for you to just sit with just you to figure out what you want for a second. I think that's a healthy relationship. And so that, that's something that helped me figure a lot of these things out was just to have that blank space. And I'll just, I, I tell you now as a person, that's not like, Oh, journaling. So great. You'll love it. No, you'll hate it. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it is a good practice and I don't do it now as much, but I, I have found that when I'm stuck or I'm feeling stuck, I will return back to that practice to try to figure out, okay, what, why am I stuck here? And it can be quite enlightening. Okay. So that is super inspiring to me. I want to commit to you that before we record next week, because we record every week, guys, they, they're not the weeks we release them on, but we do record every week, then I'm going to give that a try. I think that's a helpful and, and um, interesting and compelling invitation to be like, huh, what can I do with this? So guys, write your morning pages, even if it just says, this is terrible and I hate it and Justin's an idiot. Sarah's great. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's fine. Although tonight you can't tell our voices apart because I'm so sick. I I think that there's there's something to be said there. We are so glad that you're joining us. I have to tell you, I went to a Thanksgiving dinner where we're recording this one close to around Thanksgiving. So it's been recent that I went to this Thanksgiving dinner and uh, I was telling my friend about this and he just started giggling and he said, this is so needed. And these are people who are like in the industry of, you know, not in the industry, not in the church industry. And I, and then they started naming all these people that they could think of that needed this. And so I am just grateful uh, that we get to do this work with you. If you need help working through this, look out a life coach. I, or, you know, a coach of some kind, I'm doing that work, but I can also hook you up with people who are also doing the work. If I'm not your full labor or whatever it might be, but also we're, we're hoping that we're going to help you t- learn to trust your own gut, learn to trust your own inner voice that I would argue is actually the voice of the divine. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Justin, for that great practical thing. And we look forward to chatting with you next when we're going to start talking about how do we get really practical with this idea of learning how to be a human in the world. Excellent. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Revcovery and for joining us on this discussion about what a calling is and how that plays out in your life. And if you, you notice the conversation was a little meandering because it's difficult to pin down sometimes these feelings and these impulses and these pulls that we have. And Sarah and I are still very much working it out ourselves. And we want to work this out alongside you. And so we thank you for that you're going along on this journey with us. As we have mentioned before, you know, we are in the process of creating more community and more intentional space for you to join in. Look forward to hearing more of that from us in the future. Also, just as a reminder, if you are looking for a more intense or more personal coaching type thing. Sarah's taking clients now. I will be in a position to take clients shortly in the future. And this is something that we want to continue doing and continue providing resources for. And, you know, one way we do that is the podcast. And another way we do it is, you know, kind of at the end here, we take a moment and we pause on a poem or some kind of reflective material that we think is helpful. And a poet that I have always you know, come back to is Hafez or Hafiz, depending on what, how you want to say it. Um, I'm not Persian, so I don't know. Uh, he is a Persian poet, uh, lived around the 1300s. He was a Sufi mystic and, you know, many other things. And I have always found him to be a playful and interesting voice that has influenced a lot of my spirituality and my journey leaving out and my understanding of what a calling is. And so... I want to read a poem of his called All the Hemispheres, and hopefully it'll be something that helps you to think a little more deeply about this as we you know, continue on our little journey together. So here it is, All the Hemispheres by Hafiz. Leave the familiar for a while. Let your senses and bodies stretch out. Like a welcomed season onto the meadows and shores and hills. Open up to the roof like a new watermark on your excitement and love. Like a blooming night flower, bestow your vital fragrance of happiness and giving upon our intimate assembly. 
change rooms in your mind for a day. All the hemispheres in existence lie beside an equator in your heart. Greet yourself in your thousand other forms as you mount the hidden tide and travel back home. All the hemispheres in heaven are sitting around a fire, chatting, while stitching themselves together into the great circle inside of you. Thank you very much, my friends. We'll see you next week. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.